Now, in Matthew 25, 31, you can see in this text a reference to the coming of the Lord. The Son of Man shall come in His glory, and what's going to happen? It says in verse 32, before Him shall be gathered all nations. That means every individual person of every country, of every race, nationality, and they will all stand before God at one time. The sheep and the goats, the righteous and the wicked, will both appear before the one judgment appearing of the Lord Jesus. And welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and today again we're dealing with the second coming of the Lord, and in particular, the judgment day. In Matthew chapter 25, we read, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come, Ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. That is the day we want to discuss and study in this program, the Judgment Day. That day when the graves will be opened, when the dead in Christ shall rise and meet the Lord in the air, and all men shall give account of their deeds, their words, and their very thoughts, when the Lord shall judge the world according to his gospel. Now, for the Christian, that's a glorious day, and it's a greater reassurance that the Lord will come to set things right. If you are not a Christian, this is the great warning to prepare, prepare to meet thy God, that you may be sure of eternal life. And I hope you will do that. Firstly, we'll have a short hymn, then straight to Matthew 25 at the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church. Thank you. 
I hope this series has been helpful to you. For me, it certainly has been exciting as I have been doing the research for this and the study for this, and as I have sought to uh, just focus in on this over these recent months. And it has been blessed to just try and put things in place. That has been my purpose, my task. Uh, I hope you have caught the, the direction of these studies, that we're, we're not going after every notion of men, every radical statement and view that people have about the second coming of the Lord. Rather, we have sought to study the real, genuine banknote. And thereby, uh, if we get familiar with what the Bible says about the, the truth of the subject, then we will immediately spot the phony. And we will note the, no pun on note there, but we will uh, very quickly spot the uh, aberrant, the false, the crazy, the ridiculous, and indeed the deceptive messages that are around. And there are those who come claiming that they're Christ. There are those who come claiming that they're prophets. And there are those who claim that they know the time and even many of the circumstances of the Lord's return. Now, we have sought to keep this in a very straightforward basis. In Reformed theology, we are in absolute agreement that there is one church, one faith, one baptism, one gospel. Whether you were Adam, Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, any of the minor prophets prior to Matthew, or whether you were Paul the Apostle or Peter the Apostle, there was one church, one faith, one gospel, one way to heaven, one Savior for all men who ever lived at all times of the world. To clarify that a little further, Reformed theology takes the view, and I believe it a biblical view, that God deals with men only through two people, Adam the first or Adam the second. God deals with you either through a covenant of works, which Adam the first was under, or he deals with you through a covenant of grace. That's the grace and the covenant made with our Lord Jesus Christ. It's either one or the other. We know that works is not the gospel, and we know that there is only one person through whom we can receive grace. So, in keeping with that position, one church, one gospel, one faith, one hope, one baptism, there is one coming of the Lord, not many, one resurrection day, not two or more, and we are learning here there is one judgment day when the wicked and the righteous shall be judged. Now, in Matthew 25, 31, you can see in this text a reference to the coming of the Lord. The Son of Man shall come in His glory, and what's going to happen? It says in verse 32, before Him shall be gathered all nations. That means every individual person of every country, of every race, nationality, 
and they will all stand before God at one time. The sheep and the goats, the righteous and the wicked, will both appear before the one judgment appearing of the Lord Jesus. So as soon as the trumpet sounds and the Lord returns, there will be immediately the setting up of the Lord's judgment throne and the commencement of that judgment. Now, in this sequence of events, last week we left off with that meeting in the air. We were quoting 1 Thessalonians 4, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. We that remain will be also caught up in the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. And we defined that meeting as a meeting like going to meet someone at the bus stop, and then you return with them back to your home. And this was taken from a Greek term from Roman military times, whenever a dignitary approached a city, a party went out to meet them and greet them, and then escort them back into the city. And so when the Lord appears in the clouds of glory, there will be a gathering of the Lord's people in the air, and then we shall return and begin that very judgment throne, that bema seat of the Lord. It told in Matthew 25 here, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And I don't see any thousand years in between. I don't see any other period of time. I can only see in this particular passage a reference to one great event. Now, we've considered many Bible texts over these weeks when we have looked at this one great event view, and we have noticed that when the Lord appears in glory, when He gathers the righteous, it will be the instant destruction of the wicked. He will destroy the wicked by His glorious appearing. That immediate destruction of the wicked will be the exercise of God's justice, and that involves the judgment seat. Here in Matthew 25, the sheep and goats stand together at the judgment, and we're told in 2 Peter 3, 9, that the return of the Lord will coincide with the burning up of the world. And so when you put all of these passages together, when you piece them together, it adds up to one single great event, the second coming of our Lord, the resurrection of the righteous and the wicked, and then the judgment of the righteous and the wicked, which is the very same event. Now, if you have the notes, I have put in brackets there uh, what this avoids, this one great avoid uh, event view gets us out of the quagmire of a lot of very fuzzy thinking. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people when it comes to this subject get really bogged down. And they get into little situations that are totally inconsistent with the rest of the Bible. 
Now, in any attempt to study this subject, we have to be consistent. You cannot pit the book of Revelation against the book of Matthew. You cannot say the words of the Lord Jesus are of more importance than the writings of Peter or Paul. And the task of the Bible student at looking at this subject, as in any other subject, is to reconcile and bring passages together and, and, and study them in, in light of each other. What our Westminster Confession says is to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And that is our safe method of Bible study. Speaking here of study and the study of this judgment day, in your notes it will show that it must include three things. The purpose of the judgment day, the people that are called to the judgment, and then the pronouncement that will be made concerning the righteous and the wicked. And if you were to give yourself to a study of this subject in a a lecture situation. That's what you must do. You must analyze it from all of these views. What's the purpose? Who are the people? And what shall be the pronouncement? But you know tonight that I'm not a lecturer, and I don't even claim to have the ability to go through this in a fine-tuned study method. I'm going to preach about this tonight, and I'm going to take this question. Who shall stand in the judgment day? Because that's the relevant part. That's where it affects you and me. Am I, as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, as a believer in the Word of God, am I ready for the judgment day? Are you ready? What ought we to be doing as we seek to witness to this community? to see men that they are ready for the judgment day. So this is our question. Who will stand in the judgment day? To look at this in a broad sweep, we note firstly that the fallen angels will not stand in the judgment day. hope you've been blessed and encouraged as you've joined us here on Let the Bible Speak today as we've dealt with the Judgment Day. Now, the word encouraged and judgment don't seem to go together, but for the Christian, it is a comfort to know that the great judge of all the earth is coming to set things right. All those things that may grieve us here in this world, 
those things that we see are injustice done by men. When the books are opened and the judge shall appear, then he shall judge according to righteousness. So stay tuned with us as we come to the second part of this message on the Judgment Day, Matthew chapter 25. We are told that the angels are reserved unto judgment. Uh, these are the fallen angels, the wicked angels, those who by some means rebelled against God. They were put out of heaven, and they will never be recovered. And one of the saddest things about angels is that those that have sinned, nothing has ever been done to recover them or redeem them. There is no way back. They are shut out. And so wicked angels, whom you may call demons, those that are in the service of Satan, those who have followed him in the first rebellion against God and for which they were cast out, they are most miserable, waiting for that day of judgment. And therefore, they are into all manner of mischief, seeking to destroy and wreak havoc upon the church of the Lord Jesus. One of the interesting statements that the Lord Jesus ran into is in Matthew 8, when the demon cried out and said, Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? What time were they talking about? The judgment day. And angels know that they have no way out, that they are doomed, their destiny is sealed, and therefore they set themselves as the constant enemies of the Lord. Angels will not stand in the judgment day. They are reserved unto judgment. Then we also find that Satan himself will not stand in the judgment day. And I want to go to Revelation 20, to this very important chapter, where we have a description of that day when God will destroy the wicked and Satan himself. We have talked about Satan's little season. We have talked about Satan being bound, and then toward the end of the world, he will be loosed for a little season. Uh, we're told that at the end of verse 3 in Revelation 20, and after that, he must be loosed a little season. During that time, when Satan will be given extra freedom to attack and destroy the church and the saints, he is going to lead the battle of Armageddon. He is going to seek to raise armies out of nations against the cause of Christ. Now, let's read verse 7 onwards. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. I want you to notice the target of Satan and his army at that time. They compass the camp of the saints. 
There is such hatred. There is such venomous enmity in the nature of Satan and the wicked against the saints that they will seek to destroy the church. And then reference is made to the beloved city. But what happens then? Judgment. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And you'll notice here that Satan meets his final doom. He is cast into the lake of fire. Verse 10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It is over. And it is because of God's intervention, the return of the Lord Jesus, that Satan and the wicked in their madness against the church of Christ, they are going to be destroyed. Now notice in verse 11 of Revelation 20, the great white throne. That's the reason why Satan is destroyed and he's cast out. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. That is the judgment day. That is the event at which takes place at the return, the coming again of the Lord Jesus. Now, I love the doubling of the term at the end of verse 10, that he shall be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever. I can join with the saints and sing my hallelujah to that. It's over. Satan will never recover this. And on that judgment day, Satan and his minions will not stand. There's no hope for them. They have absolutely no future beyond that. That brings us thirdly to the wicked of this world, they also will not stand in the judgment day. We're going back now to Matthew 25. We're going to look at verse 32, and we're going to take that term, all nations. All nations. Which means each single person in the world. We know that each son of Adam has an appointment with death. And Hebrews 9.27 says that after death, the judgment. That's the appointment that is made for each and every soul. And those who have not the seal of God on their foreheads, now uh, we talk about the mark of the beast, the mark of Antichrist, that's the wicked. They have a mark of their rebellion against God. But the righteous also have a seal on their foreheads. Revelation 6 tells us this. And those who do not have that mark on their foreheads they are seeking death, but cannot find it. That means that they will attempt at all costs to end their lives by some kind of suicide or annihilation. They will cry out that the rocks may fall upon them and cover them from the face of the wrath of the Lamb, but that will not be answered. And the wicked will be dragged to the great judgment throne. And every man, woman, 
boy and girl will stand before that throne and give account. We're told in Revelation that the books will be opened. There are a number of books that referred to. There are the book of words, works, and thoughts. Let's perhaps read that uh, passage. I don't want to uh, give a wrong impression here. Revelation 20 and verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Books, plural. The book of our works, the book of our words, the book of our thoughts. Now, all of this really teaches us that God's omniscience is going to be brought into play. Do I believe that the Lord literally has a black book that He writes down all the, the, the wicked things or the wrong things that men do? Not a literal book. God, in His omniscience, does not need a ledger to contain comments and notes about your deeds and actions. This is what we call anthropomorphic language. It is God speaking in the language of men. But it does tell us that God will exercise His omniscience, His ability to recall every scrap of information and lay it on the table as evidence by which He will judge the nations. I brought with me tonight a little gadget. And here it is. It is what we call in the computer world a thumb drive. It's a little SanDisk 16, oh sorry, it's 8 gigabyte external drive. Plug it into your computer. When I was in Singapore, I thought my laptop was going to die. I had a problem with the electrical current over there just to get an, and, and somehow I thought that it was giving me such problems that I thought, I'm going to lose everything. So I went out and I bought this, and I plugged it into my laptop, and I backed up every scrap of vital information I have and put it on this, and it's only about half full. I have 10 years of preaching notes on this little gadget, and it's only half full. I have all kinds of correspondence. I have all kinds of details in this. Some of it's worthless. But when you're backing up things, you just back up everything in a hurry. Now, if man can produce a little tiny gadget that can contain the words, the notes, the details, and for my sake, it's over a decade of information on this, is it beyond God in His omniscience to recall all the details of a man's life from day one to the end? And when it speaks here in Revelation 20 that the books will be open, and then the book of life separate, simply telling us that not a thing is going to be missed. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. 
or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music